Matthew 28. After the Sabbath, at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him clasped his feet and worshiped him. May God bless the reading of his word. Back in the early, early 1900s, 90, 100, 110 years ago, there was a preacher named Billy Sunday. Billy Sunday was, at that time, the most popular preacher in the United States of America. He held these huge gospel revivals and tent meetings all over America. When he would get real riled up, he would jump on top of the communion table and he'd stand on chairs. And I'm not doing that this morning, okay? I've looked at that thing. There's no way, no way. But Billy Sunday had what he called the definition of the ideal Christian life. Here's what Billy Sunday said. The ideal Christian life. Sunday morning, you come down that center aisle. You're baptized into Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. When church is over, you walk out into the street and get run over by a Mack truck and go straight to heaven. That's the ideal Christian life, right? Think about that. You're baptized, you die immediately and go up to heaven. Maddox, I'm not saying that's what you need to do, but just think about that for a second. Maddox, you've got your whole life ahead of you, your whole Christian life. And if you were to die right now, there'd be no enemies to love. There'd be no temptations to resist. There'd be no um, uh, Wednesday nights. I mean, think about that, you know? The ideal Christian life. If you're looking for a formula for how to get to heaven... That's foolproof right there. And then there's Homer Simpson. I love one of the opening scenes in the Simpsons movie when the whole family is late to church and they get into the church parking lot. Marge is trying to hurry everybody into the church building. And while they arrive and they're just about to open up the doors, the entire seated congregation overhears Homer say way too loudly, why do I have to go to church? Why can't I live my life like I want to and pray like crazy on my deathbed? Well, if you're looking for a formula on how to get to heaven, that's an option too. It's not as foolproof as Billy Sunday's, but that's an option. See, brothers and sisters, we're always looking for a formula. We're always looking for some kind of a plan, and I think that's part of our problem. 
We want to get everything just right. We want to make sure that it all adds up in the right order and it will achieve the optimum desired results. And then when we figure it out, we want to do it just as quickly and efficiently as possible. Guess what? You cannot do that with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus is not a plan for getting us to heaven when we die. You can't put the resurrection on a spreadsheet. It is not part of a five-step or a 12-step program. And it's not just a doctrine. And it's not just a a belief. The resurrection of Jesus is about life and it's about power. If being a disciple of Jesus means we follow Jesus, and it does, then we got to follow Jesus out of the grave. We don't just walk with Jesus to the cross. We don't just follow Jesus into the temple. We don't just walk behind Jesus as he goes to the garden to pray. We don't just gaze in wonder and gratitude at the empty tomb. Church, we follow him out of the grave. Following Jesus out of the grave means walking in resurrection life today. Ephesians chapter 2, the Bible says, Because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Church, he made us alive today in Christ. God has raised us up with Christ. Even when we're all dead in our sins, and we are, no, we are alive in Jesus. You know why the grave couldn't hold Jesus? Because Jesus is life. Jesus is life. He is the very definition of life. It's in his his DNA, life. His very nature is life. A dead Jesus is like Corey Legg not singing. It's like Brandon Brunson not watching baseball. It's like Kim O'Connor not smiling. It's like Susie Neal not cooking. It might happen every now and then, but when it does, it ain't going to last long. Jesus is life, and he will live. Peter is preaching in the temple in Acts chapter 3, and he calls Jesus the author of life. He says, you killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. I lead a group to Israel every two years. We're about to leave here in three or four weeks. And we've got an old guide in Israel named Anton Farah. Anton has been with me for the last 12 or 15 years. He's an old Palestinian Christian. He was born and raised in Nazareth. He's a university history professor and the best guide you would ever want in the Holy Lands. And I remember several years ago, we were at the Church of the Holy Sepulchre. And one of our group asked Anton, how come we don't know exactly the location of Jesus' tomb? And Anton said, because he wasn't in there very long. (laughs) He wasn't. Jesus lives. Think about the opening lines of the Gospel of John. In him was life. And that life was the light of all people. Jesus said it himself. I am the resurrection and the life, right? I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? John 10, Jesus says, that's the whole reason I'm here. I came here to give them life so that they could have it to the full. In Romans chapter 6, the apostle Paul writes, We were buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Life. The resurrection of Jesus is not about living in heaven someday. It's about living life right now 
today. But some of us, some of us are still buried in a tomb. We're dead. Or we act like we're dead. Some of us have followed Jesus to Jerusalem. Some of us have endured suffering and pain. We've even done it in the name of Jesus. Some of us are carrying a cross. Some of us in this room, we have actually died, it feels like, on the cross. And even though we've been baptized for the forgiveness of our sins, we've never been resurrected. We still live like we're dead. What was that song we just sang? Breathing, but not alive. We don't sing. We don't work. We don't explore or experiment. We don't accept new challenges or tackle new tasks. We don't grow. We don't laugh. And church, singing and working and exploring and laughing and growing, those are the things you do when you're alive. If you're grumpy all the time, you're not living a resurrected life. Now, don't look at anybody right now. They know who they are. <laughs> if you're negative all the time, you're dead. What are you thinking? God will fix my attitude when I get to heaven. Don't think that. That's not right. The Apostle Paul uses the word resurrection or he refers to the resurrection in his letters 53 times. And in every one of those 53 times, he explicitly connects the resurrection of Jesus to what God through his Holy Spirit is doing in your life right now today. This is not a future resurrection for followers of Jesus. This is a present day, right now, resurrection for all of us. The second car I ever had, 1960, Chevrolet Biscayne. My grandfather gave it to me right before my senior year of college. And this old car, I could fix everything on this car. I mean, you open up the hood, there's nothing under there. You open it up, it's like a sewing machine inside the car. That's it. I mean, on this old car, I could change all the belts and hoses. I replaced the generator several times, replaced the batteries, change all the spark plugs. I, uh, I could change the oil. I did everything with that car, that old 1960 Chevrolet. These cars we have nowadays, I'm lost. I can't do a thing with these cars. Something goes wrong with one of our cars today, I'm clueless. I can't even get the hood open. <laughs> when I do get the hood open, it's always by accident. Whoa, the hood's open. How would I do that? You know, I have no idea. And then when I look under there, I close it immediately because it terrifies me. I don't know where anything is under there. You know what I'm talking about? You look under the hood today, I know it's got spark plugs, but I have no idea where they are. I can't see the battery. I can't reach the belts and hoses. I can't do anything on my car. One day recently, Carrie Ann walked out into the garage and I had the hood up and I had my head buried in the owner's manual. She said, what are you doing? I said, I'm looking for the dipstick. <laughs> to her credit, she did not look right at me and say, found it. <laughs> I can't do anything with our cars. When something goes wrong with our car, you know what I do? I take it right to the shop and I give the keys to a guy with 18 certification patches on his sleeve and I go inside and sit down with a book and a Dr. Pepper. That's what I do now. I need a technician, right? I need a mechanic. 
I need somebody with special skills and special training and special experience to work on my car. That's why I take it to a mechanic now. Fixing my car, that's his deal. That's not my deal. That's his area. That's not my area. He's the expert. I'm the layperson. And that's okay. That's fine when it comes to car repair, orthodontics, computers, gallbladder surgery, stuff like that, right? Church, that is not okay when it comes to living in the resurrection of Jesus. There are no experts in Jesus. There are no experts in the resurrection. We are not Christian consumers who just let other people do their Christian living for us. We do not allow the experts to live in Christ and live like Christ and live for Christ. And then we show up in here a couple of times a month or a couple of times a year. And we just kind of see how they're doing with their Christian life. That's not us. Just because there's more to God than you'll ever know. And there are deeper mysteries to Jesus than you'll ever figure out. That doesn't mean you pay preachers and teachers. Or you employ elders and people who do it better to live like Christ for you. We are, all of us, disciples of Jesus. We, all of us, follow Jesus. We follow him out of the grave. We, we walk behind him. We walk with him out of the darkness and death of the grave into the glorious light of his eternal life. Yeah, but I'm not going to do anything risky. I'm going to play it safe. Better safe than sorry. I'm not going to go out on a limb. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to get out of my comfort zone. I'm not going to grow at all. Man, you are still living in the death and the darkness of the tomb. Follow Jesus out of that grave. After the resurrection, the disciples followed Jesus out of the grave, and they most certainly did not play anything safe. There was no hiding. There was no sleeping. There was no stagnation or status quo the disciples all started preaching and teaching and they sold their possessions and gave to the poor they broke city ordinances to proclaim the good news they took mission trips on broken down boats and prayers they sang praises in prison chains and they turned the whole world upside down for the kingdom of God and that is not just a possibility for us today church it is expected that is the expectation for all followers of Jesus Christ because the resurrection gives God's people life and it gives us unmatched power. Following Jesus out of the grave means walking in resurrection power today. Matthew chapter 28 Look at the great power of this history-altering event. You've got this, this violent earthquake, right? And the angels of the Lord tossing that huge stone to the side like a bottle cap. This brilliant light from above and these paralyzed guards. Man, this is all about power, this scene. See, the world demonstrates power by taking life. Almighty God demonstrates his power by giving life. The Roman authorities and the religious leaders thought they were exercising power. When they executed Jesus, the Roman government put a seal on Jesus's tomb and that seal said, this belongs to us. We own this. But the angel of the Lord breaks that seal and rolls away that stone and sits on it. He sits on the stone. He dominates that rock. 
The angel sitting on that stone, that is God Almighty saying, no, 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 I own this. This whole thing, God says, belongs to me. And God raises Jesus back to life from the dead. Can I get an amen? Amen. This is almighty, eternal, undefeated, everlasting power today and forever. This is the kind of power that brings great joy. It's also the kind of power that might be a little scary. Because when we look at the resurrection of Jesus, we know immediately that's outside my scope of experience. That's not the kind of thing I can control. That kind of thing controls me. The divine has powerfully interacted with the mortal. Eternity has broken through the barriers of time and space. Paul says, you know what Paul says, I want to know Christ and the what? The power of his resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. By his power, by his power, God raised the Lord from the dead. And he'll raise us also. Ephesians 1, right at the end of that first chapter. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms. Far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the one to come. Resurrection power. Power for us right now. That exact same power that brought Jesus out of the grave Brothers and sisters, it belongs to you. The power that defeated forever sin and death and Satan, it's not what we experience in heaven someday. It's what we experience and express on this earth today. That power is in you. Giving you the courage to stand up and defend anybody who's insulted or attacked. It's in you. Giving you the strength to endure one more chemotherapy treatment, giving you the strength to persevere through one more day without a job or without your spouse. It's in you, resurrection power. That's what gives you your confidence. It's what obliterates your timidity in living life to the full the way our Lord intends. Resurrection power is in you empowering you to teach and to give aid and to encourage and make peace and sacrifice and serve and love others in the name and in the manner of Jesus. It's what causes you to say yes instead of no to the call of Christ. It enables you to live like our king, to live for our king, and to live with our king, in our king, eternally united to him and to each other in the power of the resurrection. Listen to me. Man, hear me say this. Because of the resurrection of Jesus, look at me. Death has nothing on you anymore. Neither does sin. Not a thing. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. If you're a baptized follower of Jesus, if you're baptized... Listen to me just for a second. Let me just talk to the baptized people, okay? 
There's a spiritual discipline, and this is about as old as God's church itself. For centuries, Christians have observed a period of prayer and fasting in preparation for celebrating the resurrection at Easter. Most people today call it Lent. Now, you can't find Lent in the Bible. You can't find Lent itself. I mean, the Bible is full from start to finish of commands and assumptions that we're all going to experience intentional times of prayer and fasting. And so we affirm as Christians, Lent and prayer and fasting as a faithful and noble practice. I commend it to you. You know what it is. You give up a bad habit. You put away a certain vice. You abstain from a particular pleasure for a time in order to bring your body and your mind into closer communion with the Lord. Again, that is a a very good and faithful practice. But if Lent is a time to give something up, maybe Easter is the time to take something up. If the cross means putting to death whatever is in your life that you need to kill off so you can flourish as a disciple of Jesus Christ, then maybe the empty tomb is about planting and watering and training up some new things in your life so you can grow in your sacred relationships with God and with each other. Yeah, you've got to weed the garden from time to time. All of us do, right? Sometimes that thick ground cover and those stubborn stumps, they need some serious digging before you can get rid of them. But you don't want to leave your garden. You don't want to leave your lawn, just that neat blank bed of dirt. Resurrection day is the time to sow new seeds and to plant a few new bulbs. Resurrection day is the time to start something brand new, something that will blossom and fill your world with color and fragrance and spiritual fruit. So listen to me, baptized believers of Jesus, as we celebrate Easter today, why don't you take up something new? Tackle a new task. That's my invitation. Start something brand new today. Commit to something wholesome and outgoing and self-giving. Now, maybe you can only do this good thing for 40 days, kind of like Lent, you know? I can only give up cheeseburgers and Little Debbie's for a certain amount of time, you know? I think 40 days is max. I think the Lord knew what he was doing right there. If you can only do this new good thing for 40 days, start it today and do it because it might just wake you up. It might make you alive with new possibilities and new experiences and new ways to express the power and the life that you own in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've never been baptized and you knew I was coming to you, okay? If you've never been baptized into Jesus Christ, I want you to listen to me here just for a second, okay? And I don't care if you're 12 years old. I don't care if you're in your 20s, 30s, 40s. I don't care if you've been going to church since you were born, you just never for some reason been baptized, or if this is the first time you've ever been in a church building in your life. I don't care, okay? I want you to listen to this. I want you to listen to Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Notice, Paul doesn't just say Jesus was crucified in my place. Paul says, I was crucified. I was crucified with 
Jesus. I died with Jesus. Now, again, listen to me. Resurrection life and resurrection power is available for you today. It is right there for you today and the rest of your life. But you know what you got to do? You got to die. You got to die. You can't be raised until you first die. That just makes sense, right? You can't be raised until you die. Think about Jesus. He didn't raise himself. God the Father raised Jesus. What did Jesus do? He died. He submitted himself. He obeyed God and then trusted God to raise him from the dead. But Jesus first died. And so let me just tell you, and I believe this with every fiber of my being, resurrection, life, and power is what God does in you. The day you decide to submit to him and obey him and participate in Jesus' death with him in baptism. I believe that. And listen, you're going you're gonna to wince when I first say this, but, but listen, it's not about your feelings, okay? Really, it's not. It's not about what you feel, okay? This is about your will. This is about a decision. This is about something you decide to do. Think about it. When a guy gets married, the preacher during the ceremony does not say, um, how do you feel right now, groom? Why don't you share with everybody how you're feeling? Before you take this woman, go ahead and take the ring out, but before you take this woman to be your wife, why don't you tell everybody how you're feeling? How I'm feeling? Man, I'm about to throw up, you know? Man, my hands are shaking. My knees are weak. I, I feel terrible. Sweating like a cow. We don't ask guys that. You know what we ask them? Will you take this woman? Oh, will I take her? Absolutely, I will. Yes, I will make that decision today. I will take her to be my wife. That's what this is about. It's about a decision of the will. It's about, it's about a decision that you make. It's a choice to be baptized. And I'm asking you, if you've never been baptized, Maddox has already warmed up that water out there. It's good to go. We've got swim trunks and t-shirts and a ton of towels. And today's the day. Resurrection day, Easter day. If you've been putting it off for some reason, it's okay. God has brought you to resurrection day. Today. Resurrection day is the day to begin new things. It's the day to commit to new things. It's the day to make that decision that you are going to die to yourself. You're going to die to the world. You're going to die to your sins. And you're going to give everything you've got to God who gives us resurrection life and resurrection power in the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. All right, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to step down right here. And we're going to sing a song in just a second. And if you have not been baptized, I, man, I'm telling you, don't leave this room. Don't go to lunch until you've been baptized into Jesus Christ. And if I could ask some of our elders and ministers and your spouses, if y'all would just make yourselves available, I'm going to be standing right here. If you've been baptized, but you're like, hey, today's Easter Sunday. Today's a new day. I need to repent. I need to confess. I need to start over. Would you grab one of our ministers? Would you please grab one of our shepherds and say, would you pray with me? I need to start over today. Today, resurrection day. Today is Easter. And today is the day of our salvation. Stand with me, church. Let's sing together. Let's pray. And let's be baptized. Mm -hmm.